Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Hey everybody, welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast here on this Thursday morning. I'm Eric Kane, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. As you listen, wherever you get your podcasts, here at VolQuest.com or on the VolQuest YouTube channel, you're probably watching it. If so, hit this like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Tons of questions to get into. We'll go ahead and start. This is from Nashville Vol 615. When do you think we're going to see Hypel get a salary increase? Also, what range do you see his salary going to, Brent Hubs? I don't think they're going to wait until the spring. I don't think they're going to wait until September like they did this past year. Uh, so I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. And I think he's going to go somewhere between 8 and $9 million, given where the market is right now. I mean, am I wrong? That, that, it, doesn't that... Doesn't he have to go into that range? It, I mean, it, he's got to go seven and a half at least. Um, if, if Lane Kiffin's making $9 million, why is Josh Heifel not making $9 million? Exactly. I think, he, I think he's eight to nine. Now, it may be nine like in year three, but I think he's going to be between eight and nine with this new deal. He's only making what, on this current deal, what, five? Do you is say that right? only, you see, you see only $5 million. I mean, c- Compared to everybody else, I mean, he's one of the, the fourth – uh, you know, poorest coaches in the SEC right now. Guys, like, Eli, Eli Drinkowitz is making over $6 million. Yeah. What a world. Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel needs to be between eight and nine. At he's, least. Making, he's making Eric Kane money currently. He'll eventually get to Matt Ray money. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if either one of us ever saw that type of money, yeah, we'd be set. T. Many. Are there any more? Are there any more rumors about Tennessee coaches leaving for other jobs, mostly assistants or analysts? As of now, no. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think anybody is uh, positioned to leave. I don't think anyone is fielding any type of offers as of right now. And it feels like things have kind of settled. So it uh, could just be the uh, the one move of goalish to uh, South Florida and Tennessee hires a tight ends coach. Rob, I think there's two things you got to be keep in mind with the timing on on the stuff. You just had you just had your turnover in the NFL. Is there an assistant coach who wants to get out of the rat race because of the recruiting calendar? And then is there a domino effect if Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan for the NFL? That I, I think those are kind of the only two things hanging out there right now that could pop up because I, I think AP's right, Rob, in that that this staff seems very con, seems content where they are right now. Mute. I was gonna say, unlike do we have to go back to Phillip? Since since you had a guy that you, you felt like most assistants were content to, to work for, I mean, it wasn't you know rats off a scrambling ship the first chance they got. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean Butch brought a bunch of his own guys. I mean, once he started bringing other people in, I think they looked around and were like, "Ooh, you know, I, I think I might want to get out of here." But I mean, 
I, I just think at, at AP, what, what's the all your your all time assistant coach comment, Sean Palermo? Oh, you know that cabin across the baby. <laughs> It wasn't Pat Dye's cabin. It was just John Palermo's cabin. The, the John Palermo's cabin. But but seriously, I mean, it just feels like, you know, it's a good work environment. But people, you know, unless you're going to move up like like Alex did, it doesn't seem like guys are just looking to get out. I mean, I mean, you saw the wide receiver coach you know, go to the NFL last year, which you know, just about anybody will jump if they can and get out of recruiting and, and still cash those checks. So, I mean, I, I think if you get to this point of the year, Unless, like Britt was talking about, there's a, a Harbaugh Harbaugh type move, and which sends out ripple effects. It, I mean, you it know, seems like know, if you get if you get to here in January, you're probably set. You know, Hubs brings up a good point, Rob. You know, Harbaugh could have a potential, you know, ripple effect if he were to leave, because depending on who Michigan hired, would they look at a Tim Banks potentially um, to run the defense up there with the fact that he's from Detroit? Now, again. You're just kind of trying to connect dots at this point. I mean, nothing says anyone is leaving. Um, but, but that, you know, just looking at, you know, a potential fallout, that'd probably be about the only thing. So I don't disagree with what Hubbard says there. It just still feels like everybody's really happy um, with, with you, know, you know, wives are happy, kids are happy, and, and, and that goes a long way to coaches staying. No doubt. No doubt about that. Um, uh, 100%. Um, the, the family the family aspect of it Eric staying those guys staying happy um, is, is important and this is a good place to ra- this is a good town to raise your family and particularly when you go 10 wins or 11 wins 11. So it's, it's it's a fun it's a fun town to, to raise your kids in when you're <laughs> when you've won 11 games in a season DMV Vol 1985 this looks like a good Rob Lewis question could this 2023 team have 1998 chemistry vibes star power leaving but veteran quarterback taking over who lacks respect with a veteran defense and great running game I mean they might have some of those vibes but Al Wilson's not walking through that door you know Sean Ellis I don't think is walking through that door so I mean yeah I mean I think they're gonna have good chemistry but you know I don't know how many college football hall of famers are on on this team, you know, or you know, or second round draft picks at wide receiver like Peerless Price or or Travis Henry. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be some good chemistry and good vibes, and I, I think you know, small sample size. I think that's always going to be the case with, with Josh Heupel's teams or most years. But yeah, that, I mean, that '98 team had a lot more going for it than good vibes. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Austin. I mean, obviously, you lose your quarterback, you lose some star power on offense. You know, I. I know he's not comparing this defense to 98's defense, but you do have a better defense coming back. I get what he's saying, but, like, yeah, in, in terms of there, – there, there's no one on that side of the defensive ball that, you know, even comes close to, like, an Al Wilson. I know he's not saying that, but it's just uh, – there are some similar, you know, similarities, I guess, similar similarities than the 98 to what's about to happen in 23. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody always compares everything to 98. Um, but, you know, why can't it be comparable to – 1990 hover you know in tennessee won at 89 you know they won at 90 why not you know back-to-back years i mean like it, it i mean not everything has to be compared to the the to tennessee's low national championship in the last 65 years i mean it can it can be compared to other great years and there have been other great years so um you know i do, I do think that you know there, there's a level of you know yeah, there's a level of you know, I guess slight that the next year's group is going to feel. I think they're not going to be ranked as high as, as 
you know, many people believe they'll be ranked, in my opinion. A lot of people are going to doubt Joe Milton. I think that plays into Tennessee's hands. It plays into Josh Heupel's hands. I wouldn't want to be ranked real high if I was Josh Heupel. I'd want to kind of lay under the radar. Yeah, here's the thing, too, about the 98 season. And, and this is in no way an indictment on Peyton Manning in any way, shape, or form. That 98 team had a real chip on their shoulder because they have felt they felt like it was in 97, it was Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. And it was all about Peyton Manning. And they had a chip on their shoulder to prove that they were a program, not a one-trick guy. Because Peyton, you know, he'd been on Sports Illustrated. He was on every talk show. He was, you know, when, when, when national people came to town, they didn't want to talk to anybody else but Peyton Manning, right? I mean, we talk about Al Wilson in 98. Nobody talked about Al Wilson in 97, right? I mean, he, he was like, it was almost like he wasn't on the team in that way. So if you talk to a lot of those members of the 98 team, the first thing they're going to tell you is how much respect they have for Peyton Manning and how much they, you know, they realize everything he did for the program. But they'll also quickly tell you in the next sentence, we wanted to prove to everybody we were more than the Peyton Manning football team. We were the Tennessee football team. And that was that was part of their, their driving deal. I don't think you have that same type of mentality going this way. The other thing, too, Austin, you've had this conversation with Fred White and others. When they got embarrassed by Nebraska physically in that Orange Bowl, everything changed for them in the offseason, too. How they went about their business, how they went about things was very different. So they had they had a different set of catalysts to kind of carry them in '98, which is why I don't think you can make a great comparison of this team to. And, and Austin, you're right; everything can't be compared to '98. I don't think there's a ton of similarities that way. To answer the the poster's question, Swagger Twelve may be a silly question, but if Jerry Stackhouse were to get fired, any chance he could end up on Barnes' staff? Rob Lewis, no. <laughs> Jerry get a job. I mean, Jerry's, Jerry's not a bad yeah, he, basketball coach. Jerry's Jerry's get, a head coach Jerry also job. has probably a hundred million dollars in the bank. He's not going to right. be an assistant for anybody. Well, he points out that money's not an issue for him, likely. But I mean, I, again, I, he well, get a when, head coach when money's not an issue, that translates in most cases that you're not going to be the assistant coach in any sport. What, what's more, what, what's more fun for fans to, to debate? Like that somebody just wants to come here and be Rick Barnes's assistant. Or that Eric Berry should have paid for Evan and Elliott's scholarship to free up two more for the boys back in the day. <laughs> well, and and also is is I'm surprised that it was Joey Halsley and not Peyton Manning that was the offensive coordinator hire for for Josh. Hitter wants to know what's the latest on SEC realignment. Has there been any more talk on when that will go into effect and or the common annual opponents who that would be for Tennessee Brent Hubs. Uh, it's going to be, I think, the 6-3 deal um, where you're going to have the three common opponents every year. I think for Tennessee, that's probably going to be Alabama, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. That's what a lot of people think. I, I'm more in favor of the 7-2 and two deal because I think that there's a lot of teams in this league that don't have three rival games that make sense. Um, I think you could do it with two rival games and, and make that better. But I think they're going to end up 6-3. Um, and I think 7-2 wasn't an option, was it? No, it's not been an option. That, that's just my that's I, I mean gotcha. my personal thing. I mean, I you know, Hubs is creating it. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, like let's let's see, Texas comes in, right? It would be natural for Texas to play Oklahoma and Texas A and M. Yep. Who's their third natural rival? They go probably lump LSU or Arkansas. Arkansas probably. Okay. But then, I mean, how many rivals? I mean, Arkansas. You could how many rivals does Arkansas have? I mean, right. Right? I mean, they could have a bunch because they've yeah. had SEC rivals. 
and the old the old SWAC rivals. Right. And look look at South Carolina. Who would be the three common opponents for South Carolina that makes sense? Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I just I, I I like the seven and two because I think that there's enough you, you would maintain and protect all of your longstanding rivals with two traditional you know repeat games every year, and then you rotate more. And, and I think rotation, I, I'm I'm in favor of rotating more. But that's just my opinion. I think it's going to yeah. go six three to answer the, the guy's question, and I, I think it's going to be in twenty four when it when it comes about, but because. Chris Lowe has said this on the Nation, Austin. I think it's the best point that's made out there. You're, if you're the if you're the Big Twelve, you're not going to just let that contract with Oklahoma and Texas expire, right? Let them get out of it a year early and let them pay you some money. Get some money for them departing. Don't just let it go to the very end, right? And, and lose your equity where they can just walk scot free. I, yep. I think I think you take the cash in twenty four. And that's going to be more money than you make by having them in your um, in your league one more year. So I think it's going to happen in twenty four. Yeah, I mean, you know, six three. Either way, if Tennessee ends up with Alabama and Vanderbilt and Kentucky, the fact that they you know are getting away from Georgia year in year out as Georgia starts to really become, uh, you know, such a dominant program, like I think that's great for Tennessee. You know, again, I'm not saying – I mean, you have Alabama. Alabama's still Alabama. They're still going to be really good as long as Nick's there. But the fact is Tennessee's played Alabama and Georgia every year, and those two teams have – so really since 17, since, you know, Georgia first went to the championship game, um, they've been on par with each other every year basically. And you're playing, you know, two of the top five teams in college football every year, plus a Florida, plus a sprinkling of a A&M or an LSU or whoever else, or Auburn, whoever else in the West. Like – I get you're going to have, you know, a tough schedule in this league. But if you don't have to play Georgia every year, that's a win in my book. 2024, you could potentially see that, uh, you know, a 16-team SEC with three common opponents. You could also see a 12-team, you know, college football playoff. I mean, 2024 is shaping up to be a pretty big season, you know, changing the guard, if you will. Go balls three six five. Did we miss on any players we actually wanted? I would assume uh, from the yeah portal players. Uh, Tennessee missed on any portal pl- portal players they actually wanted. Austin. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple they, that they would have loved to have got to campus or or whatever. But no one, no one that's been here. Um, you know, does it feel like that they've just been like, oh, I mean, we just we 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 missed on that one. Um, you know, they've tried to get in play with some some players. Um, and, and it just hasn't happened. Like that's to me not missing because if, if, you know, to me missing is when you actually engage with the kid, Jared verse kid, kid engages back. Exactly. Kid engages back. And then it's, you know, then you're in to put this in top gun terms, you're in a dog fight, you know, with another program for said player. Um, you know, if, if, if a kid doesn't like last year when they called, you know, um, running back from Georgia tech went to Alabama, Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs, he never reciprocated <laughs> like like he he wasn't he had no interest in coming up here and uh and so like to me Tennessee never had a shot at him so um as far as this year no nobody you know like you know the Tennessee chose not to really push hard for the for the Rhode Island tackle you know they they, they didn't go after Devin you know Sears the, the kid from Texas State real hard um you know so I mean like yeah they brought a few to campus but that don't mean they went after them 
Complete sidebar here, Brent, just quickly. The, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Are you surprised Jared Verse is not going to the draft? I mean, he's a first-round projected draft pick, and he's staying at FSU for another year. Yeah, I am surprised. I mean, I, you know, in, in, in visiting with Jared, he's a smart kid, bright kid, got a, got a, got a great future, and obviously he, he's enjoyed the college experience. I'm sure life at Florida State was a lot different this past year than his life at Albany was. No. But I, I, I'm surprised that he is not going to go ahead and go uh, in in the draft this year, that's a big win for for Mike Norvell in Florida State. But yeah, that's a surprise to me. Go get your money. All right, this is from iHeart Balls. Do you guys have any interesting souvenirs or memorabilia from your time covering the balls? Perhaps a game program, photo, autograph. Rob Lewis, I'm sure you have a collection of some sorts over the years. I have a bunch of press credentials. I I'm have. Not as, I'm not as sentimental as AP. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing. I have. I I, I don't have one press credential. From all these years, I mean, they, they, it, it doesn't bother me. Like, I mean, like it doesn't. I, I, I keep nothing in terms of, of that type of stuff. I, like I, I do here. have a game worn jersey, like uh, number one that I had Butch sign after after his last game. <laughs> I I have um, I have my press credential from the Fiesta Bowl, as you should. Uh, I have that one tucked away somewhere. Um, when in nineteen nine in the spring of nineteen ninety eight, uh, Peyton Manning came to the radio station and did an hour with Mike Keith, and I did get him to sign for my future kids, which is my son now. Obviously, I've got a daughter too, but it's for my son. I got him to sign the Sports Illustrated that has um, he looks like he's propped up on the cover of his of the one that his dad was on. That was in the preseason college football edition. Does I did it say two two boy hubs. No, it just hubs. it just it just says Peyton Manning sixteen on it. I, I did get that signature after he was done playing, um, but that's it. I mean, I, I you know I've got I've got my picture of John of John Ward and I sitting at, in Charlotte um, at the uh, NCAA tournament, which was his last radio broadcast. The same broadcast that he yelled at me for pulling out a camera. Barry Rice sent me with a camera over to shoot the what what Barry called the money shot. It was the final signed off sign off for John Ward as the game ended. Now Tennessee got beat robbed by Steve Alford, Southwest Missouri State team by like 34, 35 points. It was some debacle of a game. So Ward was already mad anyway. So there's about two minutes left in the game and I pull this camera out into my lap and I've got to get it turned on. And I set it there <laughs> and, and Ward looks over and sees the camera and is not a happy camper. And I, <laughs> him and I said, blame, blame Barry Rice. Don't blame me. Uh, but somebody captured a picture uh, of, of John and I beside each other. And that, that hangs in my office. Um, that's not really memorabilia that way, but that's, that's a prized possession I have. I, I do have, I have nothing from games. I do have, Patrick Murphy Racy gave me a nice print of his uh, photo with Eric Berry, like where it's like real close and it's got the eyes. And Eric Eric uh, signed that a nice, real nice personal message um, to me. Um, but that's about it. Like, I don't I've even... got a I've got a nice screenshot of my phone when Hubbard calls me of him wearing a toboggan in an open air press box in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> that, that pops up. One of those was in one of those was in Columbia, South Carolina, where someone sent that out in a group text to people. I didn't send it out, but somebody else sent it out of me and a toboggan. That one's floating around out there as well. So, yeah, not not the most sentimental group of guys, are we? I I, I do have a picture of Hubs with the walkie-talkie that that finds its way to Twitter every now and again. I had him sign it to me. <laughs> he wrote, "Your boss, get to work." 
All right, let's move on here. C. Jenkins, 512. With Hayagon and Merrill and Callaway both transferring out, it seems that this squirrel is the only true slot wide receiver. I'm aware Thornton can play both inside and outside. Would he most likely slot inside if something were to happen to squirrel? But do you think there are any other true slots on the roster right now? Yeah, Thornton. I mean, like, I, I, I get he's a combo, but, like, when you're a combo, that means you're a slot. And so, um, you know, Tennessee's very comfortable with him being in, in the slot. And so, you know, I, I think that would be the, the two. And then, you know, we'll see what Tennessee does. Do they put Chaz Nimrod inside? You know, who, who, who do they look to kind of to move around? Yeah, I mean, could, could Laycock get some work inside? I mean, here's the thing that you know about the slot receiver position, having seen it the last two years. There's not a prototypical, Eric, like, this guy's measurables has to be this to be the slot, right? Valus Jones is very different than Jalen Hyatt, and Squirrel yeah. White's very different than Valus Jones and, 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 uh, and Jalen, Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt as well. So, I mean, you, you can do it with different body types. So, it's not like, okay, it's got to be this certain size guy to be in there. That's why you can slide a guy inside and, and outside. And, and if I were a receiver on this roster, Rob Lewis, I would study the slot position night and day because that's the guy who's getting he's the money ball guy right he's getting and, to shoot the money ball all the time that, and, that's the one i would want to learn and he's going to get paid the next you know the next april or at least you know small sample size but two guys who you know when the year started in velas and, and jalen hyatt i don't i don't know that any of us had had velas pegged for a third round draft pick before the 2021 season and, and hyatt's going to better that the point is is this is why Tennessee will look to take at least three receivers in the 2023 class. 24 class? 24 class, sorry. And two, the way they use Velas was different from the way they use Jalen Hyatt. So, again, yeah, they're showing how point. they can bring out the best of their attributes and put into this offense. So, again, I'm with Brent. I mean, if you're if you're a wide receiver, learn how to play slot. Uh, one more here from C. Jenkins 512. While understanding the vast importance of the tight end position, do you think that they could run some – four wide receiver sets this year to get more people involved. I don't, I, I don't mean, it's part of this offense. You Brent, I mean, because yeah. of the run game. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in certain situations, certain down and distances, you might see that a little bit, but w- when they're playing with tempo and doing what they're doing, they want to tie it in on the field all the time because it changes the way teams defend you. And, and it allows you to count numbers in the box for, for the run game. So that, that, you know, you can motion the tight end in a variety of different ways, right, Eric? I mean, if you've got the tight end in line, okay, and they're, they're cramping the box a little bit, but if you motion him out and they empty the box, then you can audible into the run game, mm-hmm. okay? If you've got four wide receivers, you can't do that because you're not going to motion that receiver. You're not motioning squirrel wide inside to block an outside linebacker or a defensive end in the run game. That's why you've got to have the tight end, and that's the thing I've learned about this offense and looking at it closely the last two years, the tight end position, whether they catch a lot of balls or they don't, is a vital part of Josh Heupel being able to do what he wants to do offensively with the balance he wants to have with the run game. The, the poster all also mentions that if you, if you run four, five, four wide receiver sets, maybe you shift Brew down to that tight end position on a couple of plays to have that versatility. Again, I understand he lined up on the line of scrimmage one play this year. I understand he, he was in – in tight behind the guard a couple of times, but those are those are schematic gimmicks. That is not this that that is not the routine, you know, meat and potatoes of this offense. And so I don't see that ever being a 
a possibility with Brew McCoy sliding in, playing that tight end position just to get four wide receivers on the field. Because then, even if you were to do that, then you're taking Brew out of Brew's role. So, like, what's what's the point, in, in my opinion? Well, I mean, let's slide him down there. Let's let him play a little tight end for a player. Do you know he's big? You know, he's two, he's 220. And he gets down there and he goes against the defensive lineman and the defensive lineman's, you know, significantly bigger than Brew McCoy. And all of a yeah, sudden yeah. he gets bent backwards on a play and all of a sudden he misses six weeks. Was it worth it? Yeah. Because he's not a tight end. Doolittle Vol, does Todd Munkin get the amount of credit he deserves? Georgia's no, obviously taking Giants. Should. What'd you say? No, and he should. Yeah, a Giant leaps forward since becoming OC. Will he get a head coaching opportunity in the near future? Uh, I'm surprised he's not gotten a head coaching opportunity to this point. I don't know how hard he's looking. I think he's making between two and two and a half million dollars at Georgia. He's got a, a, a drawer full of riches to work with Rob Lewis, um, you know, with quarterbacks and the talent that they're recruiting there. I don't know where his desire is to be a head coach. Um, it's become very clear to or pretty apparent to me, Rob, that Kirby smarts got out of his way the last two years and, and not, not had his thumbprint all over that offense the way he did three years ago. And I think, you know, Munkin's probably pretty happy with his, his role right now and the money well, he's making. I was gonna, I, th- I think the money's the biggest thing. And I mean, I'm not – this is not a shot at Alex Skolsch at all. I mean, I think he did a great job here. But I, th- I think Munkin's in a place where – Munkin's is, 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 to me, more of a Brent Venable's place where he's not jumping for South Florida. He's, you know, he's coming off back-to-back national titles. He's. I'm not saying he could get Oklahoma, but I, he could get – I think he's waiting for a power five job. Yeah. I mean, why would you, unless you just have a burning desire to be a head coach, why why would you make a move that's potentially a pay cut or or put you in a position that all of your money is going to you instead of your staff and you're not setting yourself up to be successful. So, I I mean, I think it would take a big time job for for Munkin to to be looking around and you just haven't seen his name pop up for any big time jobs to this point. I think he will get more credit this offseason and next year than he's gotten in the past. Well, I mean, don't take this the wrong. I mean, I, I've thrown a lot of stones at Stetson Benton over the years, but I'm, I'm past that. I'm just – I'm grudgingly accepted he was a great college quarterback. But, I mean, he, that, he that's not the most talented guy in the world. And Munkin just won two back-to-back national titles with a former walk-on at quarterback. And, again, I I just think he's in Brent Venables mode where he can he can be picky. Yep. And there's star receivers, Lad McConkey. I mean – I understand there's some toys, great running backs, great tight ends, great offensive line, but the quarterback and the skill, you know, some of those skill positions still, you know, weren't weren't fantastic. Um, this is a good one for Austin. Ball by Grace. Is there a hair apparent to Cooper Mays currently on the roster? Addison Nichols has been mentioned previously. Would the recent offensive line additions give more flexibility to focus Nichols on that role come spring? No, I don't think so. Um, I think they're going to have to see kind of where he fits. I mean, yeah, maybe at center, maybe a guard. Um, I think John Campbell keeps him from having to play tackle. Um, you know, because I just don't – I think Addison Nichols could absolutely play tackle. And I still think his best football is probably a guard. I think that's where he can have the biggest impact. Um, and I think the biggest thing for a guy like Addison Nichols or Masai Reddick, they've got to come to compete now. Like last year, everybody, no, no one expected them to play. I think it's easy when those kids kind of roll to practice, they know they're not going to play, kind of go through the motions. This spring, you can't go through the motions. This is time to step forward and, and see if you can help, you know, the program, you know, this coming year. And so I think that both those guys and any of those guys that were a freshman this past fall um, need to have that similar mindset. 
As for who's the heir apparent to Cooper Mays, your guess is as good as mine because I'm not sure that they have one just designated, um, you know, if that's the case. I think this spring will go a long way to deciding that. But, you know, all last year you knew if something happened to Cooper and he stayed healthy and played phenomenal, but it had something happened, you're just going to slide Carvin right in there. Carvin's gone. So, you know, who, who is that backup center to Cooper Mays? I think that's something they start trying to figure out this spring. Well, and the question, too, is, I mean, maybe it's Jackson Lampley. Could be. But, but he's a veteran. you still got to go find a young guy to start to get ready, right? I mean, you, you still got to groom a, a, one of these young guys who are in their first or second year. you, you got to try to start to get somebody ready to, to, to play that position. I, I'm with you, Austin. I, I think that's an intriguing storyline in spring ball. The same situation as Jackson Lampley. I mean, it might be Javante Spragans. I mean, he's a guy that can snap the football as well. So, I mean, just like Jerome Carvin, worst case scenario, maybe you slide him down. I don't know. That's uh, I'd figure that out because, again, you don't have that safety net anymore, as you guys have pointed out with Jerome well, Carvin. I, I think you can find a veteran short-term fix, right? But I think I think part of the, the poster's question is heir apparent for when Cooper is gone. Well, when Cooper is gone, those other guys are going to be gone too, right? Yep. So who is the young guy that's going to be the heir apparent? Well, and and the truth of the matter is, is like I know all all fans think that everybody's going to stay forever, uh, and and certainly Cooper's technically got two years left if he wants it, but I would look at next year as his last year, mm-hmm. and, and if in the, he ends up coming back, he ends up coming back. But that's how I would view it if I'm a, if I'm a coach, if I'm a fan, I'm looking at 2023 being the final year for Cooper Mays, and again, if he ends up coming back for 24, he does, but. That's kind of how I would look at it at this point. Golf Matt 45, where does Eric Berry rank among all-time greats at UT? Is it one Peyton, two Reggie White, three Eric Berry? Is he top five, top ten? Says he's born in 88. Help a young and out. I would go, sprint hubs. I, I was going to say yeah. I would go fringe top five, somewhere between five and ten. Um, I mean, what do you got, Hubs? I mean, I, I – Again, you guys are a little older than I am. I would I don't even know if I would have him top five, um, but I think he's somewhere between that five and ten range. I mean, Doug Adkins, you know, I mean, th- there's a lot of, of really good players. Hank Laricella, you know, Baby Feathers. I mean, you can keep rolling back down there in the, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s where there was a lot of big-time guys that played here. Johnny Majors, obviously, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – that. Uh, Rob, that's the case. I mean, we, we got to put an era on it. I mean, if you're talking about 100 years of football, is Eric Berry in the top five? No. Yeah, but but if he played – I mean, if he if he played single wing and was the quarterback like Gene, McEv- Gene McEvers or George Caffigo was in 1930, he might be the best player. Yeah, that's ever. right. I mean, you know, but, I mean, I, I kind of – I don't know. Johnny's in a little bit – it kind of starts with Doug Atkins for me. But I, I think Johnny was a different era of football. I mean, Doug was too – but he also played in the '60s in, in the NFL. I mean, this is—you can see some color highlights, some you know, some <laughs> of Doug Atkins, you know, on NFL films. Yeah. But I mean, to me, it's 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 Peyton, Eric Berry, and, and Doug Atkins. And this is it sounds sacrilegious to some people. Reggie White wasn't great for four years at, at Tennessee. He had a, he had a great senior year, and there's some great highlights out there. But he wasn't a dominant player for for four years, like like. Peyton Manning was like like Eric Berry was. I mean, and you know, I, I didn't cover those teams in the nineties. I mean, I, I would. You're talking top five of modern football. I mean, I, Eric Berry's in it for me. 
Rob, let's stay with you. Let's go to Vulcan here. I've been impressed with how much Coach Barnes has been willing to put players on the floor, even though they still have some de developing to do um, in a certain role. Is this something Coach Rick Barnes has grown into, or is it unique to the talent on this particular it's, roster? It's, it's, it's definitely unique to the talent on this particular roster because he ain't throwing guys out there to learn on the job. If they if they don't do it in practice, I can promise you he's not he's not saying, man, Toby Awaka looked like crap on Tuesday in practice, but let's, you know, let, let, let's run him out there and, you know, see see if that was just a fluke and if he, if he looks better against Arkansas on Wednesday night. He's he's not doing that. I mean, if the kid is not getting it done on the practice floor, he is not he is not experimenting in games to answer the question. Well, and Rob, his his bench shrunk a little bit Tuesday night in in the Vanderbilt game yep. when when Tennessee wasn't playing. Uh, Jamai well. Meshack, here's yep. your five minutes. Tobey and, and with Tobey, I mean Jamai, he he was uh, he was he didn't, he didn't he didn't get into it deeply. He was upset with Jamai. With Tobey, I think it was more about Vanderbilt went big. Vanderbilt's big guy Robbins was knocking guy all guys all over the court. Rick wanted to to go small and make Stackhouse match up with that, and with Josiah being back. He's able to do that now, and that's with Josiah being back. He's going to play small more, and that's going to cost somebody some minutes. And and on Tuesday night, it was it was Tobe. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Going to do a couple more here. What are the draft prospects uh, for the following uh, you know, drafted, well, round, undrafted, et cetera. Uh, Jeremy Banks, Princeton fan, Hendon Hooker with injury, and Cedric Tillman. Um, I, I think Jeremy Banks and uh, Jeremy Banks would be a day three pick to undrafted. Princeton fans likely undrafted. Hendon Hooker is likely day two. I think Cedric Tillman's day two. Hendon Hooker day two to day three, and I think Cedric Tillman's day two. What do y'all think? I agree with the, the Cedric Tillman, one hundred percent. I think you know he'll run well enough. It'll be, a, I think he's second, third round pick. Um, and Hooker, I just think it depends on, you know, how he, how, you know, what, what a team thinks of him, how he uh, interviews Hover. Um, you know, I, I could see him on, on day two, but I could see him following all the way to day three just because of the injury, even though it's, it's just an ACL. I mean, everybody comes back from an ACL except for Preston Williams, according to Paul Fortenberry. Um, you know, uh, and then Jeremy Banks, again, I think it depends on does a team fall in love with him? How does he interview? How does he, you know, all that matters. And then Princeton fan, I, I agree. I think at some point, though, you're better off to be undrafted and I try to make that. a team uh, going to a team that needs you versus a team that's like, eh, we'll just throw a flyer here, but we're really kind of stacked at that position. And you can be selective because most of those guys, if you're a priority undrafted free agent, I mean, you're picking between – know four or five teams sometimes deciding on okay which team do you i think i can have the best opportunity of making this said squad and all that type of stuff so 
I agree with that completely. Yeah, I, I don't think Banks and Fant are going to get drafted, Rob. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm with you guys on, on Tillman and, and Hooker. The quarterback thing's interesting because everybody's looking for somebody, right? They're looking for to try to to try to land a, a diamond in the rough somewhere along the way. Somebody will take a chance, you know, with Hendon Hooker and the injury. Um, but but he's certainly going to fall in the draft because of that injury. Yeah, I mean he was I, I mean he was already bat I think in a battle like he's a system quarterback piled the ACL on top of that, and, and I think working out for teams was, was going to be big for Hendon. And I I, I hate I mean, he's going to get drafted, he's going to get shot, but it's it's not been a, a great situation for him at his age. You know that that's going to be a knock on him. All the Stetson Bennett jokes. Hendon Hooker is right there with him. Uh, last one. It's going to go to Sam Smith, 22-33. With Oscar Shibway having the worst game of his Kentucky career last Saturday against Alabama, will Tennessee take that plan of getting him out covering ball screens? And does Tennessee have the athletes in the post? Tennessee that Bama came had up with that down? plan. Go, go back to I mean, Tennessee. Tennessee invented that plan. Go back to last year. That's yeah. You're in, yes. Tennessee will get him the ball screens and and make him and try to make him guard. Go back and look at last year. That's that was the root of why Tennessee had so much success against Kentucky. I can promise you that was that was their their, num- their number one bullet point in in the game plan last year. And I I don't know if Tennessee was the first to come up with it, but I can promise you that was in, in talking to people around the program that was plan A number one was to get Oscar Shibway in ball screens and and make him defend on defense. That is, and and I and I think everybody's catching on now. Rob, I know we're about out of time here, but I, I got to ask you this question. I mean, obviously, Rick Barnes is going to play small against Kentucky. I mean, is is Kentucky as bad as it looks like right now? I mean, is it – or is this one of these deals where they're young, they're going to develop, they're going to turn into – you know, they're going to they're going to be Kentucky to a degree when it's all said and done? Or is this as, a, is this as different as we've seen a Kentucky team – with John Calipari and the, and the upside for this team is not what his previous teams Man, that have I, struggled in the years have done. Uh, Hubbard, I've, I've not watched as much of them as probably a lot of people. I mean, and you know, you know, when you cover an sec team, ironically, you don't get to watch a lot of sec basketball because you know, they play so much at the same time. I get to watch most of that game last night. I got to watch a little bit on Saturday. Um, against Alabama, and, and I've seen Kentucky play, but I haven't studied them intently. But man, I mean, they just look like a bad team. The chemistry looks terrible, and the reason I don't, I don't think the upside is there like some others is because you got, you know, you got Shavir Wheeler. I mean, how much basketball has that guy played? I mean, he's not a developing freshman at point guard. You, you just mentioned Shebway. I mean, he's played a, a ton of college basketball. I mean, yeah, I mean, Kason Wallace is is new and developing where is you know new and developing but the, but the guys who were expected to be the best guys on this team are, are veterans who have been with cal for a couple of years so to me this this one feels different i mean i they'll play better i mean i don't have any doubt about that but i don't i i just don't think they're a good team I mean, could they trap game trap game rob I mean, it, it might be. I mean, they're, they're obviously talented. The NBA draft will tell you that. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys who are going to get picked. But, man, they, they look like a mess, just just a mess. And and to me, Hubbard, the big, like I said, the biggest difference is the, the guys who are expected to, to be the best players. It's not – you know, they don't have an Anthony Davis or a John Wall or DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, the guy, they, they have some older veteran leaders, and it just ain't happening. I mean, I get what Austin's saying, but like, it's still, it's still Kentucky, right? Like, I don't think anybody's gonna overlook Kentucky, especially on your home floor. Oh, I can. Pro- they're not gonna. I mean, yeah. Like, 
Tennessee will be ready for sure. Oscar Sweet Shibway, you know, seeing some quotes come out of the postgame press conference of the night, pleading with Cal to say, hey, play walk-ons if no one's going to give effort. Yeah, I mean, it sounds I mean, like and it Cal sounds was bad. Right. Cal was right pleading with him to guard a ball screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll end on that one, Tennessee and Kentucky, coming up Saturday at noon. This has been the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Uh, for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brett Hubs, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and giving us all those questions. We'll be back with some more podcasts uh, for the Rocky Top Rewind on Sunday, VolQuest Podcast on Tuesday, and, of course, another VolQuest Mailbag Podcast coming up next Thursday. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.